everybody. Lisa here, a.k.a. Betty. You've got Owen over there, who's a.k.a. the Yeti. The Yeti. <laughs> and we are trying something new. This is going to be a podcast, video podcast, whatever they call it now, about really just anything. It is sponsored by Senso, but we're not necessarily Senso people right now. Um, so opinions and expressions and anything we do are ours alone. <laughs> they don't reflect our company as a whole. Um, Cause this is more of a comfortable atmosphere that we just want to talk about being in this industry as far as technical support, everything that goes around that. And really looking forward in the next few podcasts, we will invite people in and just have a conversation as well. So grab a beer, hopefully. I have now, yeah. <laughs> you gotta open it, and uh, we're just gonna jump right into it and see what we get. I love how, I love how I've conveniently though got the Yeti character, considering well, at the moment I, mean, I look like a Yeti. You know, it's... I mean, look at the hair. It's, <laughs> it's coronavirus hair. I mean, well, how, I am tall enough to be the Yeti, but I mean, how are you supposed to cut your hair right now? Like, of course, it's gonna be Yeti esque. Well, lawnmower at the moment. <laughs> so yeah um just kind of do your yeah. shmoochy, whatever smooshy thing you can do it is elvis presley swish swish Ooh, i mean uh -huh. yeah. yeah i mean here in the states like that's a big thing even now so i will preface this that you're gonna hear a lot of click clacking around me uh i have a dog his name is guster buster he is our one of our sense of superheroes he's been featured on some email campaigns and hardwood floors so you know how that goes um, we're gonna hear some dogs walking around well dog i wish i could have oh my gosh i'm one of those people that if i could have like five dogs i totally would <laughs> my, my, my little yappy <laughs> dog is enough I'm currently trying to train him to stop barking at the front door because every time the front, <laughs> front door moves, he sits there screaming at the door. So he's now got one of those vibrating collars. Oh. <clears throat> but what, yeah, but what we've discovered that he's doing is what the collar does, it beeps, <clears throat> gives you like a pre-warning beep that it's about to vibrate. And if you carry on barking, it's going to vibrate vi very violently. Mm -hmm. And he hears the beep and he looks at his tail. <laughs> starts barking at his tail and of course it then starts vibrating and then he's like this scratch, scratch <laughs> his face and then starts barking more and then it gets even more violently vibrating this is going mental at it so it's not really having the desired effect yet <laughs> oh my gosh like i don't even know oh my gosh now he's gonna get a squeaker this is how this podcast is gonna go guys like we're i i, I guess if he brings it over here i'll show you that actually reminds me of come here look here Oh, can I show dog? There's dog. <laughs> he's, he's very much wanting to be a part of this. So I'm going to take away all the squeaky toys. Set them over here. Um, that <laughs> made me think of a story my husband told me of when, but right before we got together, he had, uh, uh, we adopt, or he adopted a Australian shepherd that was uh, blind, or not blind, he was deaf and albino. Love this dog. Oh, absolutely love this dog. And they were trying to train him with one of those collars. And my husband thought it would be a good idea for him to try the collar first before he put it on his dog. 
you can expect the results from that. <laughs> yeah, I think he I may have fallen down. Shepherd, Australian Shepherd? An Aussie. Aussies, they're amazing. They're good herding dogs. And he, his name was Bob, but of course, being deaf, he didn't know that his name was Bob. We called him Bubba. And he was beautiful, big, white, fluffy dog, big pink nose from being albino. Oh, that's um, an Australian shepherd. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I know what they are. I didn't realize they were called Australian shepherds, though. Aussies, yeah. We've, I've always had big dogs since I was a kid. Um, so it was like, nice to... Like uh, a cross with a Sheltie and a Border Collie, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to look up Sheltie. <laughs> it's yeah, a British... Sheltie's a... You know what the TV show Lassie? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a shelter. I thought they were called something else here. Maybe not. Well, they're, I'll think they're, of Shet- it. they're, they're Shetland sheepdogs. Yeah. Um, we just, I think I've always called them lassie dogs. <laughs> yeah, I've always called them lassie dogs. It's only that when I search, it's only, the only reason I know it's called a shelter is because I searched for Australian sheepdog and at the top of the That one came up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've always had big dogs and, um, that's just something growing up as a kid on a farm, you know, he's over here being dumb. We always, I just, I've always had big, I had one, my mom had some small dogs and I had some small dogs, but I've always had a big dog. Um, it's just nice to, to have something like this in the house, especially with the girls, they keep them, (laughs) you know, hurting dogs, but yeah, he was, he was pretty crazy. So I think, (laughs) oh no, they're like purse dogs. You like carry them under your arm. Like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Paris Hilton. (laughs) Uh, They're just easy, easy, easy to look after. I got bitten. I got bitten on the backside by a German shepherd. So I've never liked, but I've never liked big dogs. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I was doing my paper round and I came around this corner and he just came running out the gate. I screamed like a girl, got bitten on the backside and ran, <laughs> ran home away from it. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, you have, uh, you're traumatized by big dogs. Oh, no. I've got the, got the scars to prove it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning something new about you every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, for this show, uh, we were just going to introduce ourselves, but I think it would be best if we we had talked about maybe just asking each other questions and seeing kind of how we where it went from here so uh do you want to go first or you want me to go first uh i'll ask the first question i guess right, right. okay i guess it was my it was my idea anyway to ask five random questions and hopefully when you ask me a question i won't sit here going uh <laughs> um so Let's just start off with the easy one. How did you get into IT? How did you get to where you are today in your career? Um, wow. Um, it's kind of, I think it, it, and I'm trying to like think of the uh, cliff note version of this in that I had an aunt and uncle that I was really close with as a kid that I spent a lot of time with. And my uncle worked for IBM, very like IBM PC compatible, the big, like super massive white crazy. Um, And he got me turned on to uh, working with computers and how to, you know, program them and go in and, and do games. So he bought me a Commodore 64 and a magazine subscription that came with games that you had to like program yourself on those big five and a half inch floppies with like the big 
gray drive and I just got hooked in. I thought it was cool that I can make something out of nothing with computers and being growing up in rural Texas uh, where I lived, um, having that ability was kind of rare. I found that there was not a lot of people at that time, especially in the very early 90s, um, that were kind of doing computer work like that. So I found very early on that I had a skill that not a lot of people had. So I was always the computer girl, um, helping friends and family set up stuff. I was one of the first houses out of my friends that had that, what was it, the the 56K or whatever modem that <laughs> was super fast. Oh my God, it was so like, this is how fast it was. I would come home from school, turn it on so that it could start connecting and then go in the kitchen and make a snack because I knew I had plenty of time <laughs> while it was connecting to like, and, and then use things like ICQ and all that other crazy stuff early days. Um, I created the website for my high school. Like I, it was a, it was a crazy a bunch of stuff computer related well into college where I went, they didn't have a computer science degree quite yet. So they put me in the art department in digital media because it was one of the few departments that had a really advanced computer lab. And I did digital media and fell in love with film. So I actually ended up with a film degree and a digital media degree, but I have a bachelor of fine arts. So there you go. <laughs> No, like I'm in computers, but I have a BFA, you know, very, very useful. And then immediately went back into, I worked for a graphic designer for a company here and an, uh, for several different companies. I was a graphic designer for a while. And then um, a friend of the family had asked me if I could help out at a school district that was really struggling with their network because I knew I was the computer girl. And so I went out there and fell in love with kind of that atmosphere with education of helping kids. And so I started substitute teaching just as a supplement to what I was doing because I got to hang out with kids and educate them. And I really liked the teaching aspect of it because what I have was kind of a unique voice for them. And um, the school district that I was substituting at offered me a job as their technology director. So I said, what the heck it would be I'll just try it for a little while, um, see if I like it. Cut to 14 years later, I'm still <laughs> there working. I've had two kids there at the school district. Um, and then I um, switched over and careers three years ago for this. So kind of a yeah. roundabout way, but yeah. So come by it, honestly. I, I miss my old Commodore 64. I used to love those games, you know. Mike and I started Ike. off on an Amiga, Amiga 800, although I didn't really use that one a lot. It was the Amiga 1200 that I used more, so that's really where I started. And I didn't really get the, get the chance to do... <clears throat> we did have a 56K modem, but at the time, at my age, I wasn't really going on to it. I didn't really start using the internet till a bit later on. I don't think that, to be fair, actually, I don't think I started using the internet properly until I was 11, yeah, 11, 11 going on 12. So I was a bit of a late burner when it came to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, you got to think about where I'm a little, I'm, good, oh, I'm a little bit older than you guys. <laughs> I just mean, this bit. was just a little bit. Um, looking at coming on to the internet, I think I was probably 
Yeah, about 12 or 13. But again, this was very limited in that it was hard to search for anything. It took forever. Really staying on the internet in a capacity as far as chat and games was like early high school, 14, 15. Wow. It was very expensive. Um, oh, yeah. Ask my mom about all of that, about <laughs> <laughs> the phone bills we used to get from the amount of time that I was on the internet and uh but I got her I actually turned her on to PC games or not PC games I can't remember it was one called Myst M-Y-S-T it's just like crazy kind of puzzle game that you have to play yeah. I remember we played it I, I'm fairly certain it was a PC game because I remember setting it up and playing it on having to like old school hook it up to my television but she fell in love with that um she was like oh okay, computers aren't so bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So I, I think on this one, I will do the same as to shoot it over to you. This I know that's kind of cheating a little bit, but I'm curious as how you got to where we are now. Uh, it's a bit of a, bit of a long one because it was all chance. And, <clears throat> it's, a, it's actually kind of weird actually how you get into your careers because if you think about back to it a bit more carefully you think about all the chances and and the little moments that have happened during your career to actually get you to where the point that you are now so like things like the chance meeting of meeting a certain someone to them eventually down the line that they then offer you a job sort of thing um but <clears throat> my one started off so i still went out when i left school I was at that age where I, was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wasn't a great academically, didn't enjoy school. I went into college <clears throat> to do an advanced computing course, and it was a two-year course at college. Because obviously college for us is different for you guys. I think our college is your high school, isn't it? Because we go to college. I have colleges. no idea. Yeah, I haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah, I'm fairly certain college for us, because we go to college when we're 16, and then we finish college at 18 to go and go to you traditionally to go to university after that but I did a year in college and I was sick of the academic side I was sick of doing coursework things like that I was quite lazy to be honest you were quite laid back so <laughs> for some strange and utter reason that I decided to join the armed forces and <laughs> go in as a soldier for some reason so I went from doing I went into, um, I went to join the, uh, what they call the Royal Air Force Regiment Gunners. Um, <laughs> when I eventually got into start basic training, started doing that, um, was there for so many weeks and I suddenly realised after going, I went out into, we obviously go out to do field training and you're out in the fields for, I think it was a week and a half, we're out there, so you have no communication with the outside world. You sat in a forest with a bivy tent over the top of you. And it just rained the whole week. <laughs> oh, no. I, got, I got back and I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. <laughs> I want to go, I want to go home. I want to go, I want to go home. I was just sitting there cleaning toilets at four o'clock in the morning and I'm just getting clean, getting socks, get, making sure the most important commodity was socks. And I was constantly losing my socks for some reason. And that I kept getting shouted at by the corporal for things like that. And I was just like, you know what? I could do better than this. <laughs> So I went out and I left the RAF, got back, <clears throat> got back home. My mum and dad, bless them, um, they moved away from my hometown. So I then had to go move in with my sister. And 
she gave me she probably gave me the biggest royal kicking up the backside <clears throat> and i got a lot i've got a lot to thank her for my career because it was actually her that found a little tiny newspaper article about that big in the corner of a newspaper that was uh, looking for apprentices it was an article that said look at the two it it technician apprenticeships and um I applied to them the next day when I read it, read it, and I was working night shifts in a factory at the time at Epson ink cartridges. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, and I did. I'd done. A, I'd, I pulled a twelve-hour night shift, finished at seven o'clock, went straight from the factory warehouse to the interview that was at eight o'clock in the morning until twelve o'clock of the day, and I went into this interview, and I was like shattered because these 12 hour mm. shifts were killer shifts as well yeah it was packing packing ink cartridges non-stop for 12 hours and you had like an hour you had like two half an hour breaks in between them i remember having this in <clears throat> i remember having this interview and saying to the head teacher i said oh, i've got to apologize if i don't sound i haven't slept in 12 hours because i've just finished a 12 hour night shift but it didn't seem to affect them because i got i went for the interview smashed the interview and i got the apprenticeship but they actually hired an extra apprentice as well who was interviewing in that and they basically without saying it they basically sort of said that whoever after the next after three months whoever's um the most suitable because i think at the time when they interviewed us they couldn't decide between the two of us oh, they sort okay. of gave us three months they gave us three months to say look you've got three months to prove it prove yourself and Thankfully, after the three months, I mean, the, the other fella that was there, he'd gone after eight weeks. <laughs> so as luck behold, I got the, I obviously got the, I got, got to keep my apprentice, apprenticeship. Did that for 18 months. The school, this was in a school as well. So I started off in a school. It was, um, it was a little school in my local town that I live in. I was there for, <clears throat> I was there altogether, I think it was five and a half years six wow. years that was during the 2008 economic crash as well because that actually that had a massive effect job wise around that time so i couldn't really get a job anywhere else and i was lucky to really keep that job and i mean the wages weren't fantastic but it was the work experience i got there yeah <clears throat> and then i got lucky a lucky again another lucky moment whereby the school um allowed our local authority the local government um to have an office for the it team there and i got to know the three or four guys that were based out of that office because they shared the office with us and a few months later that team that the local authority effectively hired me to go work for them and i then went straight into the local authority and went from there <clears throat> and i was there for I must have been another six, eight years. Again, that was working in schools. Started off working in primary schools. You have to look after loads of, which is essentially elementary schools for you guys. Um, and then went on to a looking after a secondary school. So Fred, anyone that's listening from the UK, you know what the Building Schools for the Future programme was. And for you, Lisa, who you may not have heard of. Uh, <laughs> no. The school for the future effectively it was a government program that um was where they were going to build rebuild all the schools in the uk and uh, when the government's changed in 2010 the government cut it 
for my local authority had actually managed to keep their funding, although oh. it was massively reduced. And my, I got to go start into a secondary school that was going to be the last one that had this BS, well, the last secondary school that was going to have this BSF funding. Yeah. So um, I got to have a nice uh, big budget to help support the school and get them moved into a new school with nice new fancy IT equipment. <laughs> nice. And then infrastructure, went into an infrastructure team, central team, looked after a hundred and God knows how many schools. And that's obviously how I, I had actually met John, um, obviously our owner, director at Senso. And I'd met John while I was in that secondary school. I'd met him briefly before, but he wouldn't have remembered me then. But then we met in the secondary school where I worked in and then obviously spoke to him when I was in the local authority and obviously we trialled the product and that's obviously how I got into the career I'm at the stage I'm at now in my career because I implemented our solution well the senso.cloud solution into the whole local authority and obviously from there and obviously I've spoken to you at the time and when I was um, actually still working there and we got the whole thing implemented across all those schools, all those God, <laughs> Jesus amount of amount of uh, um, devices, and obviously John. <laughs> I actually got offered a job. <laughs> I got offered a job at um, a central a central government agency uh, that Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. <laughs> and everything y'all have sounds so fancy. Her Majesty's. Know, yeah. Her Majesty's Revenue. <laughs> Her <and> Majesty's. <laughs> Here yeah, really, just... we really we call it HMRC. I'm just doing it. For, I'm just doing it for. I'm just doing it for you, Americans. Yeah, because we're all. It's always yeah. like Her Majesty. Yeah. Essentially, it's the tax people. Yeah. <laughs> people that manage the taxes and um, the custom borders and all, all that malarkey. And um, I think I, I was about two weeks away from leaving my job to go there, and then obviously I got offered a job. <laughs> by Senso and that's how I've now become now here working 12 months it's just over 12 months later now yeah I, th I remember we LinkedIn actually reminded me of your like one year anniversary I was like holy crap it's been a year yeah, link LinkedIn LinkedIn did it too early it did it about two or three weeks too early oh okay it did do it too early but well, you answered my question I was going to ask you about. I, I did a way, I went too deep there. <laughs> no, about I like, how did you end up with Senso? Um, I, I needed to, I, I have a funny story about how I met John. Because um, I was a very, very early adopter of his other company that he started. Um, and used the product. I was one of the first school districts, I think in the States. Not the first, but one of the first school districts that was utilizing his previous company software. And I think it may have been him that I talked to on the phone that I actually installed it at my school district because I was uh, with the school district I was working at. I had the ability to kind of do what I wanted and uh, it was very easy in a small network to try different things out and beta test it. And I was looking for something that could kind of help me manage things like that. And I really liked it. And I had talked to him on the phone and of course the whole British thing was very new and well, there is a conference you've been to the TCEA conference that I went to every single year for forever and I looked in the book and I saw that John was going to actually be there 
with another company at a booth. And so I made it a point to the second that the floor, the exhibition floor opened up, I was trying to find where he was because I want to introduce myself and talk about how I like the product and everything. And I couldn't find it because it was part of another thing. And I finally came around the corner and saw the, the little sign that he had. And I, and you know me, I like, my, I'm a weirdo like that. Like I have these things in my head of like, oh, he's totally going to know who I am. So six <laughs> foot two me at the time, big blonde bouffant hair made a beeline for this like British guy and was like, John and like went in for a big bear hug. And he goes, oh my God, who are you? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm Lisa from Douglas. He goes, oh, okay, <laughs> I know who you are. But yeah, I must have seemed so like insane. I'm just this crazy woman with a backpack that was like John Valentine <laughs> and um but we hit it off like immediately and so that's how I kind of met John and then through the course met everybody else that we work with and um wanted to <clears throat> really work with them very early on uh, but I loved what I was doing at my at my old job but and so it got to the point where if anybody that is watching right now that's in education knows you sometimes have a lot of administrative changes in a school district sometimes for the good sometimes for the worse and in my situation i had gone from like a really great administrative uh network that really cultivated the culture of technology and gave me a lot of freedom to a very restrictive network where uh what i did wasn't what I had been used to in the past. And so it gave me some time to kind of think about if I wanted to switch careers. So when uh, we were talking about switching to Senso, they caught me at the, just the right time. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus I love the product. It was something I'm very passionate about that I get to talk to people that were like us yeah. in doing what we do and help them out because I really wish when I early days of what I was doing if I, I would have loved someone like me or you to have called me and been like hey I know you're struggling how can we help that sort of thing and so yeah. I thought that I would be that person on this other side so at <clears throat> my age now to switch careers is <laughs> kind of <laughs> rare but I thought, why not? Let's let's take a chance on it and see. So, and you guys are great. You're very British, but y'all are great, except for They're Mike. Very British, British. Oh, oh my God, y'all are so we British. Some, we got some in the office who are very British, but y'all are so I British. I don't, think, I don't think I'm very British. Um, I forget. I, I, I have... I, I, although I'm trying, I'm I'm defining what you, as an American, define. <laughs> I know. Because we like, speak to a lot of Americans and they all think we drink a lot of tea. I just want to point out, I don't drink tea. I don't drink any hot drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my next question to you is, if you could turn back time and keep the knowledge that you have now, would you go down a different career path? Holy crap. Holy moly, scoot, like, wow. Um, yeah, deep question. I know, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. I was meant to, I was meant, I was meant to write these down. I, did, I, I, I have got like a few questions that I thought. Um, maybe, maybe. Um, 
I think I would have gotten into the educational world a lot earlier. Yeah. I thought that because I do have the ability, I like to draw and paint. You guys have seen that I'm very creative and I do have an art degree, but that's something that was just something that came by naturally. I didn't have to work for that. Whereas the computer stuff, I really had to teach myself. Um, so I thought that the creative side, being a graphic designer was what I wanted to do where I wasted a few years, not wasted. I don't want to say it as that. I, I spent a few years kind of fumbling through that world of graphic design and art and realized that I didn't want to give that sort of commitment that I really like the computer side of it more, the building, the physical building of devices and setting up networks and creating something from nothing. And then falling in love with education itself. Like I really loved being a teacher. Um, and any, any teachers watching this will know that there's a moment where you are imparting knowledge into a class and you have them, you're in, they're engaged. They're really part of the lesson and you can see that you are passing on knowledge to them. That is a feeling that you cannot describe or replicate in any other situation. And that was a daily occurrence for me because not only was I teaching art, fine art one, two, and three, I was also teaching computer science and all these other computer classes. So I had such a wide degree of students from what I call my indoor kids to athletes to just normal students that I was really imparting all this knowledge that I didn't realize that I had on them. So I think if I had the knowledge I had now, I would have gone into teaching and education a lot earlier and not tried to like fumble through working for these different companies as a graphic designer. Yeah. To throw a curveball in then, seeing as you have basically answered yes, what would be, <laughs> what would be different in your life now had that been the case? Um, do you think you would have met the people that you've met? Do you think you No, be... I don't think I would have met my husband, and that sucks. I, I would have hated that, obviously. So this is, this is what I was talking about earlier when, you know, those little chances. Yeah. You know, even within your career, um, any changes in your career, the chances. Obviously, I met my partner through my job role of getting that promotion into the local authority. She worked in one of those primary schools. Mm -hmm. that's how I got to meet her had I gone down a different career path I wouldn't be here with free I wouldn't be in this house right now I probably wouldn't be in this job that I'm in now had that not yeah happened. I mean that's a scary thought to think that you know modifying that would have changed so much that both of us are you know experiencing now with mm -hmm. our partners and our families but definitely i think that if i had gone into education a lot earlier than i did that i would have settled down a little bit more <laughs> um in um my early to mid 20s um Maybe you that, down in that early to mid 20s. um we yeah we do like we do uh, <laughs> um so yeah that would have been that would have been, I don't know, you never know. Maybe I would have met Johnny even outside of that. But um, I'm kind of looking back, you always, 
I don't know. I kind of like how the progression of where I ended up, like how it happened. Yeah. Um, it was, I gained so much experience working for so many different companies before I got settled that I could realize what kind of boss I wanted to have to work for, like a bad one and a good one. And then with substituting at a bunch of different schools, not just one school, it was also nice to see which one was a good fit for me, um, which I'm kind of sad to be perfectly honest about leaving where I was at. Um, if it had been the same administration and superintendent and everything that had been there when I first started, I would have never made the change. I was, that was such a good team that it, it goes to show a lot for, I would say a lot of people leave jobs, not because of the job, because of the people that are directing them or their bosses. And that's why I left. It was not because of the job. It was because of the people that were in charge of my bosses that were not appreciative of technology. And I think that's been something that is slowly now with everything going on. I think it's, it's kind of weird that it's taken this long to get here that a lot of people are now realizing how important tech is in some school districts right away they understand that tech is like priority one like that's just the atmosphere of school districts now and a lot of school districts are slow to get there and i think what we're going through right now has kind of pushed everyone to realize how important tech is in the whole scheme oh, yeah, of massively. things yeah it's changed changed the landscape completely we've only got to look at what we're currently doing providing the software because obviously our software is perfect for distance learning so it's just it's just showing that people are now moving forward with their tech or that it's going to force their hand really to look at alternatives to their current old legacy setups of on-site servers and things i mean on that that, that kind of leads me into the next question i mean do you think that oh, my computer is telling me i need to do some backups um, and I, I mean, I know what I feel, but I'd like to know your feeling on this as to what we consider traditional education or do you think this has forced us into a completely different landscape for that? Um, you know, and add that, are think, we ever going to go back? I don't think it has yet. Um, I think with our governments um i think personal opinion i think where the schools will be well, i mean they're trying over here they're trying to make the schools go back on the first of june it's not a definite yet but i think that's too soon i think if it had been any longer if if, if it had been months that this lockdown was going to happen then i think it would change the landscape and it would change attitudes however I think if the schools do end up going back sooner, are they are they back over the way? Where you? No, um, with here in the states, schools get out uh, end of May, first part of June, and then are out until the end of August, first part of September. Okay, yeah. So I mean, obviously, well, we don't break up till middle of July, and then they go back in September. So it was a six-week holiday. But I think if it had been, I think if this if this lockdown had been any longer, I think it would change would have changed the landscape 
but because it's only really three months, I don't think it's going to be a big shift towards it, but I think it will be a quicker, gradual shift towards using more cloud products and having the redundancy there for, um, if the word's redundancy, but having the ability, if should anything like this ever happen again, to actually do distance learning and have training on distance learning. So we could be at the forefront of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a shift definitely from here, from everyone I've talked to that <clears throat> it's kind of different here. I think the mentality is that maybe not forever, but, and it's tough because I think once it becomes a norm, then it becomes something that goes forward that you can hear my, my phone. Oops, sorry. I remember to turn that off. <laughs> you can tell what a nerd I am. I'm like Star Trek. Um, that schools are going to be different coming back in the fall where they may be like an AB schedule to kind of keep that social distancing at play where students have the option to come into a traditional classroom or do distance learning or maybe they have traditional classrooms for a certain set of time and then they break to kind of you know flatten the curve again where they have students that are learning from home for maybe three weeks on three weeks off sort of thing yeah. i mean there's been so many ideals <clears throat> and different things i think we're waiting for to see what happens now that things are starting to open back up but for the most part i with everyone i've talked to in this industry i think that for at least the next foreseeable school year it's not going to go back to the traditional the students go to a classroom at eight o'clock and they're there till yeah. three thirty, um, that sort of thing. Which, you know, as an educator from both sides of it, you know, you have students that don't excel in that. That I mean, I have two daughters that couldn't be more different. Where I have my older one that is perfectly suited for. I go to school eight. I sit in a classroom all day. I love it. At three thirty, I come home and do my homework. It's great. And then I have my youngest. That would be one of those. It's like. If I could sleep to 9.30 or 10, get up, do some, you know, some distance stuff online throughout the day at my own pace, even if I had to stay up late yeah. to do it, like it suits her so much better. Like uh, the social aspect maybe, but for the school aspect, she excels so much now in this side of it where my other one struggles. So, and that's just in our household. I mean, I can't imagine across everybody what they're dealing with right now. This is just weird. It's bonkers. Like, well... It's, it's great. Yeah. I, I mean, because obviously we work in support and we're obviously dealing with day to day customers. I was remote. I've, I've been remoted into three, maybe four customers today alone, whereby I've seen um, teachers actually teaching their lessons using tools like Microsoft Teams and they were using Google Hangouts um, mm. and they were also using sensor as well to control the devices help support the kids and get, keep them focused on what they were doing but i think the main problem is with it with it's not so much that the schools don't want to do it it's the fact that they don't have the um it's the hardware more than anything they it's new yeah so those schools those schools that i've been dealing with today they're all got one-to-one -one schemes so they all, every child has a device that they take home with them, mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's, it's, that's, it's, but if they're doing that, there's no reason for 
teachers not to be able to teach them, especially when you've got tools like Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts and Sensor and all that, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. You've got all of those tools there to hand. There's, it's, it's effectively just the same as being in a classroom in a way. And so I, it, I think it's more down to the schools not knowing about some of these schemes. Like um, I, I, I've always, because there's always, everyone always uses the word BYOD. BYOD in schools doesn't work, in my opinion. It never worked. BYOD is bring your own device, and you know <clears throat> the problem is with that kids will bring in a range of different devices. You'll have two kids with their iPads. You'll have another kid with a Kindle. Another kid with an Android tablet, which is effectively the same as Kindle. But yeah, and then you've got another kids that have got these different versions of Windows, Windows Seven, Windows XP, <laughs> Windows. Mm-hmm. Teacher can't manage that. Right. Teachers can't manage that. If there's a problem with the device, the teacher can't manage what they're doing on it or help them with anything if there's something wrong with it. Whereas with a, C- what a CYOD scheme, which is a choose-your-own device, the school gives them a list of three devices, a lower-spec one, middle-spec one, a higher-spec one, mm-hmm. and the parents pay for it. School doesn't, doesn't cost the school anything. The parents just pay for it. And it's cheap it's not expensive and it's got insurance you can get you can get insurance protection and all sorts right and i think if those schemes were more openly known about because i think what a lot of schools think is a lot of schools think it think it costs them money or they're worried that the parents won't do it but you'll actually find that a lot of parents will go for those schemes knowing that things like distance learning at home and stuff like that is happening and it's going to benefit the kids where they're going to get their homework all there to hand. The kids have got no excuse to not do their homework. The parent will be able to be there and watch what they're doing. All those right. things. I mean, it's just down to them having the equipment and having this, the software to support that equipment. I will have one more question. Okay, one more question. Because I, don't oh, know. I, do, okay. I, do, I do need to go. Okay. Um, so what was your favorite part of coming to Texas? Um, favorite part because th- that was your first trip to the states outright, correct? I was, I'll be, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's my first time in in the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> Let's specify the United States of America. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to my not so favorite part. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know what part that's going to be, but um, the food was definitely up there as my favorite favorite the weather was obviously great <laughs> yeah for the most part Except i mean windy, windy days. i think i might know what the worst part is but we were kind of in well, a, have a unique guess. yeah have a guess you, well we were in a weird situation where we were yeah. staying i think it was yeah. the our circumstances oh, yeah, it was, it was purely it was purely down to where we were staying we'd have to, have to stay next to and you. to explain to our for our viewers right now we rented and with our company we find that we like to all stay together in an airbnb we all have our separate rooms we can cook because a lot of us have um uh, restrictions as far as diet that makes it easier for us to have a kitchen that we can cook food in. Um, so we happen to just stay in a very lovely Airbnb in Austin. But oh, if you live amazing. in Austin, that you know that there is a homeless issue right now, um, or has been for a few years, that where we were, it kind of grew up around this neighborhood where we had stayed. So that while the house was 
lovely and really, really nice and, and perfect for our situation for using it for. The area around it was a little rough and was a little tough for us to get back and forth from the convention I center. I wouldn't have said it was rough. It was just that there was it was just there was a lot of it was a lot of homeless people living in tents on the side of the roads to put it simply. It was hard to see. Yeah, it was hard to see and just it's, I think I think it was just a shock to the system for me because I've never I've not seen anything to that scale here in the UK before. So Right. It was and I haven't either. And for no. that scale of kind of it was a tent city that was next to us. Yeah. And the lady that had rented the house, had, it was explained and it was fine. But yeah, I know that was, that was, and then of That's course being a, downtown. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a criticism of Texas either. It's a, it's perhaps not, but I don't think it's a criticism of Austin. I think there was, I think you were saying that there was something going on with the local government or something along them lines. Yeah. The um, they had passed, I mean, I'd have to look it up to be specific about it, but there had been a rule passed that they could camp like that, and then they had changed it, and it was kind of this gray area that they were trying to work it out, um, and they were certain areas of the city that they can now be in, where others that they couldn't, and I, as long as I've lived here and had been visiting Austin, because I have family in Austin, I have never seen the homeless issue um, that bad. So I don't know if it's just a matter of the economy that's going on right now um, that had caused that, but it was it was shocking um, to kind of see it, and especially even when we were just down downtown on Sixth Street, it was still apparent there outside of just where we were staying. So I think getting outside of where you were in Austin, it's a whole different kind of yeah you know a different <laughs> being outside of that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, you've heard us ramble. This is what this is. This is the podcast. It is just us cussing and discussing. Um, as we go forward, sometimes it'll just be me and Owen talking about stuff. We are also looking to have guests. So if you or you, someone you know you think would be a good fit for this, for us to just have a conversation, we will then post um, in the, um, what's it called? Can't think of it the information what are all those youtubers say where it's like below <laughs> yeah actually, i don't know now um yeah. we'll, we'll put below. somewhere <laughs> down below somewhere down here we will put an email address that we have set up specifically for this that you can send us information about topics that you want us to talk about guests that you think would be good um send us questions that you want us to just kind of chit chat about on this and um yeah you'll also that... you'll also as well be able to download this podcast as well and listen to it on yep. your phone um so information again will be down below <laughs> <laughs> wherever up above down below whatever we figured out definitely down below <laughs> and seeing as this is just our first one i'm not sure if this will go out but i would like to say if this does go out this is just our first um kind of foray into this we're very new to it's podcasting as well and vlogging as well. I think it's good for, for, uh, for you guys that are going to be joining us on this journey as we take to kind of meet us and kind of get an idea of what we're about. And we're excited to like share this experience with you as well. So the quality and audio will get better as we get better at this. So um, just hang in there. The, I, the, you know, uh, we both have like crazy. I mean, think of how short, <laughs> I mean, when you met me, my hair was like super short. Like, and blonde. <laughs> Can't be blonde in Corona. <laughs> I love it. I think I've your hair for, is great. I've gone full Albert Einstein. Um, no, the guy from Back to the Future. I can't think of Doc. You're Doc. 
Oh, oh, the guy from Home Alone. I've just looked at myself and I'm thinking that guy from Home Alone. <gasps> oh my God, it, yes! <laughs> the, um, the wet bandits! The yeah. wet bandits! The wet bandits. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, that's awesome. Okay, so thank everybody for joining us and we look forward to shooting this uh, uh, again and having you all on the next one. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.